0: Well, good evening. Let me welcome you back this evening. We're glad that you're here, and it's great to have Dr. Delavai and Mrs. Delavai with us this evening. And you'll be hearing from Dr.
1: Delavai in just a moment. Well, this uh, evening is my privilege to be back uh, at this congregation to meet you, greet you, and share with you. A lot of water has flown down since uh, last time I was here, you know lot of water has flown. Uh, coming to this congregation is very unique. I have experienced it. Uh, I came for this, um, your conference for, uh, on persecution. I came for your missions conference. And previously, I came here to share exclusively on Orissa. And I take back a lot of memories with me, uh, one of the memories still in my mind is uh, during the missions conference, one of the missionaries passed away, you know. That, that was something really uh, shook all of us, you know, uh, made us to go into a little kind of disarray, you know. But that happens. That's part of uh, the life and the time God has given to us. Uh, this evening, as uh, your pastor correctly observed that uh, the last time I was speaking I brought my son and my two grandchildren and they were here and they say hello to you, but this time I brought uh, the, the real real reason person, you know, that's my wife, Veronica is with me today, if she can stand up, everybody can have a look at her, yes. Yeah. sometimes when i go and talk you can't understand what i'm talking about but if you go and see then you can understand that's that's real you know uh, veronica has traveled with me vastly i would say she has seen more world than me because uh, when i'm busy in my meetings she goes around look, looking around you know so she sees more places and meets more people than me Uh, which is real good. And uh, she worked as a uh, school teacher for 37 years and uh, raised uh, three children and seven grandchildren. And this morning, I had the privilege of ministering God's Word at Alden Union Church in the city, outskirts of the city. And uh, uh, this evening, as I stand before you, the conference is going to be wound up. Uh, with no, none other than my youngest son, Sanjay, who is speaking, closing the missions conference uh, tonight. And so we had a meal together this afternoon, and we said uh, uh, tearful goodbyes, because we fly out tomorrow morning back home to India. So the little girls and uh, my daughter-in-law and my son gave us uh, a goodbye to us. I want to thank Pastor Juan and uh, Bruce and uh, Joe, for giving me this opportunity for me to come and share. Two days back, I got an email. It's written by my Filipino director, Vernon De Jesus. He mentioned so many things happening there, but the two highlights he gave me is that <clears throat> this year, they're going to build a church and install a pastor where BCM was born in Philippines, because the founder of BCM, Miss Bessie Traber, worked as a Baptist missionary in Philippines in 1930s, and she came back to U.S. in 1936, and uh, God allowed her to start a small movement called Bible Club Movement, but uh, today it's a Worldwide ministry. After seventy-five years, we are in sixty-two countries, but we have actively have seven hundred and eighty missionaries in fifty countries, and we praise God for that opportunity. Not only that, uh, we prayed when we were there. uh, Joe, myself, our president, and other people who were there uh, ministering last year, we prayed there, and. my former director of Philippines, Mars Forte, took us and he dragged my hand and showed me the camp, Camp Espanola. Uh, There are some uh, calendars. You can see in the calendar how Camp Espanola looks like. And he said, Dalawai. He's a very dominating man, you know. (laughs) He said, Dalawai. For 20 years, we have this but there is no electricity. I said, Mars, what do you mean by telling me like that? I want you to provide the funds, okay? Well, this, that evening we had a great meeting. So many hundreds of people came. And I was the keynote speaker for that evening and I preached. But before I preached, God led me to make an announcement. I said, uh, God willing, next year we will build a church and install a pastor where Ms. Traber has started the ministry. Number two, God willing, we will raise enough funds and get get the electricity for this Camp Espanola. In faith, I made that announcement. (laughs) I didn't have any money in my wallet, but in faith I made that. But I'm really excited to tell you people that God honored those two announcements. God gave us $10,000 to bring City to the Camp Espanola, and they are now uh, getting that uh, put on. It takes almost three to four miles of bringing the electricity from one place to camp, which is in the jungles. They should be ready by another two, three months. And then they just started building this church, where Ms. Traber started the ministry. And it's going to be a Traber Memorial Chapel there uh, with a local uh, Filipino pastor pastoring the congregation. I'm a man of vision. When, we, when I talk about few things, people sometimes have some reservations. What this short fellow can do all these things, you know? I don't blame them if they think like that, because yes, I'm short. I'm not tall like you people, you know, but, but my thinking is very tall. My thinking is very tall. Because I think so big and tall that in God I have the confidence that God will enable it to happen. We used to be called Bible Club Movement. Today, it is Bible-centered ministries international globally. Why did the name change? Because God brought into BCM different ministries, not just Bible Club ministry, but ministries of training, evangelism, reaching children. And then also we started planting churches. Today, we have more than 17,000 congregations globally. Globally, more than 600,000 baptized believers are part of it. I'm not a bishop, nor a pope of that, but I oversee this church development ministry globally. And I thank God for that, that every day there is one or two churches planted, sometimes three on average. Sun never sets on BCM ministry. Sun never sets on BCM ministry. Before I go into more detail and share God's word, I'm going to request the brother to show to us a five-minute clip on church planting.
0: India, home to more than one billion people, 80% of whom are Hindu, less than 3% are Christian. The world's largest democracy is also one of the world's fastest growing economies. Yet, in a strange dichotomy, poverty still plagues the countryside, religious and ethnic strife continues, and overcrowding and disease remain serious health and political issues. It was in this environment in 1975 that the BCM India field was organized and made its first shift in focus toward intentional church planting.
2: Our strategy for church planning probably varies from country to country. For instance, with the uh, tsunami incident that happened in December of 2004, we used relief efforts to create an opportunity for evangelism. In India, we approach that area in a, a different fashion in that we will approach the people in a village through Bible study, through opportunities where they're looking for someone to come in and talk to them about the word and we'll create a small study group based on discipleship and then develop a church from, from that effort.
0: Initially, a new church was planted monthly, then weekly, then daily. In the beginning, the goal was to establish 1,000 new churches in the first year. That goal was achieved in the
2: first six months. I think part of the success that we can attribute our ministry in India to would be children's ministry and also faithfulness. We've been working in that country for over 30 years.
0: Today, BCM India has planted 16,000 churches across the nation of India and baptized 390,000 believers. 280 BCM international missionaries now serve in 17 of India's 27 state districts. While God is moving across India, it has not come without a cost. BCM missionaries have faced persecution and beatings from Hindu and Muslim extremists in virtually every area they have preached.
2: On Christmas morning, we were in meetings in India in the province of Orissa, and we had a radical group of nationals attack the churches in, in a variety of villages. They burned the churches, they beat the men, they kicked and chased the children into the jungle. And when I met with the pastors, there were 43 pastors that came out of the Erysar province because I, for security reasons, could not get in there. I visited those men and I expected to see a group of what I thought would be persecuted believers. I saw a band of, of weary warriors, of men who had counted the cost, men who had saw what was needed to reach their villages for Christ And to a man, they said, we're not leaving. We're staying there. In
0: 1970, Dale and Paula Sigafoos, led by a clear call from God, left their home in Ohio for Mainz, Germany, where they had been assigned to work in children's and youth ministry. Over time, they were able to start a youth ministry drawing in more than 100 students in the basement of a state-sponsored church. Eventually, this youth ministry led to planting a church The lack of Bible-believing churches in Germany brought Dale and other evangelical Protestant leaders together in 1983 to form the Conference for Church Planning to aid in the foundation and development of Bible-believing churches across Germany. To date, this organization has grown into a community of more than 200 churches. Eventually the Sigafooses left their church in minds in capable hands to work with a growing congregation in Hunfeld, Germany. Today the Bible Church of the North Rhine has an average attendance of 120, a megachurch by Germany standards, and houses the offices of BCM Germany and the Conference for Church Planning. 1991, we became involved in a new church plan and a, a new housing estate in North Bristol. We wanted to have some type of special event then in the summer to gather the children in. And so we, we prayed for around 50. And we thought that was a big step of faith having only had about 30 coming to the Bible Club. We averaged just about 101, I believe it was, 103, something like that. But the last night, we had 180 that showed up And that became the means by which the church was was seen in the community as being something that was happening. Around the world, missionaries with BCM International are finding their strength in the Lord as He builds His kingdom among the nations.
1: The story goes on. It doesn't stop. It won't stop until the Lord comes to take his bride to be with him. That's the stop. Reaching children or reaching young people or developing churches, the three pillars of BCM International globally. In 1984 we started first church under a tree under a tree, and today we have developed in a, such a vast, big, global wide church developing ministry. That's the key for every gospel we give across. That is the fruit of evangelism in every state, country, as you minister across the globe. That is vital. A country like Peru today has the maximum growth rate in BCM ministries after India. And we rejoice there how God has definitely developed the ministry in Peru under Carlos and Marian Odissio. And today Carlos and Marianne have moved out of the leadership and now we brought in a young leader by name Jonathan. And Jonathan is our new Uh, director for Peru, and he will be installed in the last week of this month when uh, Dr. Martin Windle goes to Peru uh, to install uh, uh, this young man as the national director for BCM Peru. I could not go because of so many commitments I have in Asia. That's the reason I can't be in many places. So our president is going to do that aspect of the ministry. The new country God has opened a few months back, is Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. It's a very unique country in Africa, and uh, we are seeing God is definitely developing church planting ministry in Zimbabwe and also reaching the children through the children's ministry. We have definitely identified a group of people who are willing to be part of BCM, uh, seven pastors and two children's ministry workers in Zimbabwe, all nationals, all nationals. And they will be part of BCM, and uh, God willing, we should be there sometime in September uh, to affirm uh, that ministry in Zimbabwe. And we praise God for the opening of this country, which is even today torn politically because of the dictatorship of one person. But you know, the church is growing there. The church is growing. That's the uniqueness there. And I thank God that BCM is uh, having a big role in that situation. 2011 was a year of growth for BCM International globally. We have led more than 63,000 people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In last year, 63,000 people. Baptized more than 6,000 people last year, by God's grace. And then planted 1,127 new congregations, worship centers globally. And we praise God for this growth. Many times I'm humbled. I'm humbled to see how God is blessing this ministry. I'm humbled that God has put me at the helm of affairs of this international division. And I praise God that even today, Uh, I'm able to uh, serve and give the leadership in spite of my being old. I I see a big laugh there. (laughs) An approval laugh, you know. Age does not make it happen. No. It is the desire, dedication, devotion of uh, God's servants to enlarge the territory. Enlarge the territory. That prayer I've been praying every day. That prayer I've been praying every day. My dad, who went to be with the Lord at the age of 87, uh, he met me all, just five days before he went to be with the Lord. And this exactly told me Son, I'm still praying that God would enlarge my territory. I thought to myself, Oh my goodness, this old man is very strong, you know. Because he is God's servant. He, is, he looks beyond his age and capabilities because it is God who does things. This is exactly happening in the family of BCM and BCM missionaries. In spite of so many disadvantages, whether it is economic crisis or whether it is a persecution or whether it is a disappointment, our missionaries are not uh, Devastated. The devotion gets stronger and stronger. And that's the key responsibility I have taken in this ministry. To take this ministry and the mission forward. Beyond beyond human expectancy. But towards the need of people and God's direction. God's direction. I want to also say something. We cannot do all these things without your help and cooperation. It needs people come together to make things happen. If you have helped Joe and uh, Linda for so many years, well, God was able to do through them in Europe what God has done there. And today, because of their leadership in my international office, we are able to develop so many new things. In the office and the needs of the office, uh, without Joe and Joe's leadership, we cannot handle that personal department. That's a huge department, and I thank God for that, and thank for that Joe and his commitment. Commitment like that, we have hundreds of God servants in BCM who's serving the Lord. Tonight, I, before I share God's word, I want to bring to your attention one major prayer request, and I want you to people to pray. Take one or two minutes every day and pray. BCM International, financially in crisis. Financially in crisis. And I want you to pray with me. You may say, Dr. Dalloy, what do you need? I need $320,000 to overcome This financial crisis. But one thing I know God is going to provide and we are going to rejoice. And finally, God is the victor. God is the victor. Because this is God's ministry. This is God's kingdom growing. And though finances cannot disrupt things, periodically it might. But we need that. Those finances. And that's exactly what I've been sharing with number organizations, number of churches, people. I traveled and ministered in Ohio. I traveled and ministered in North Carolina. Uh, this morning in two services I shared. And uh, the, the pastor of the church, Paul Thompson, who used to be on our board previously, he said, Dalawa, I think we need to sit and talk. I said, I I'll send you an email. When it is possible, we'll sit and talk. And I want to explain to him What God is doing globally and what God wants to do through BCM globally and what we need to do those things. Would you pray with me that? That God would definitely enable this ministry to move forward, not stop anywhere. The devil plans so many things. Greatest ammunition the devil has is disappointment or discouragement. That's big ammunition the devil has. And we cannot succumb to that. At this point, as at the age of 70, I have not succumbed to that. By God's grace, I will not succumb to that. I will allow God to be the victor, not the devil, nor the finances. Now, where did I learn this? Well, I learned this from God's word. It is God's word which has encouraged me to do this. And it's God's word which is encouraging our BCA missionaries to do this Globally. Gospel of John chapter 4, we see a very unique, very unique passage. We see here, Gospel of John chapter 4. After we finish what Jesus did with this woman, he comes to a conclusion at the fag end of the chapter. Gospel of John chapter 4 and verse 34. It reads like this. Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Verse 35, say not ye that there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth reapeth may rejoice together. That's the secret. That's the secret. Number one we see in this passage, it is God's work. It's God's work. He said, I have come to finish his work. It is God, the Father's work. And that work has to be done in God's way. In God's time, through God's people. Then it will grow. Last month, we called for a meeting of uh, 27 supervisors. For a strategy meeting. For a strategy meeting. I, sent, I spent two days... Praying and sharing and listening to them. Then I told them, now, I want you to go to the board, take the chalk and write what God wants you to do in your area. One by one they went and they wrote. Not only they wrote the goals and objectives, they wrote the strategy, how to do it. It comes from the field from the mission field. And they said, we want to double the efforts what we have done in the past 2011. In 2012, we want to do double. I said to the supervisors, you mean to say that you want to lead 120,000 people to the saving knowledge of God? They said, yes. I said, you want to baptize 12,000 people? They said, yes. You want to establish 2,200 congregations? They said, yes. They are on the job. Because this is God's work. And one supervisor said to me, standing there, he said, this is not my work, your work, BCM work. This is God's work. It will be done, he said. And everybody sitting there clapped for his statement. And I'm sure what he said and what he meant was real. To finish his work, to finish his work, to begin is half done, but to finish is the vitality of every God servant. We need to be the finisher. We need to be, and the finisher and author of finishing is no other than God Himself, because he, that's His work. That's His work. The first. Uh, Evangelical missionary who came to India after the disciple Thomas was no other than William Carey. He was not allowed to come to India. (laughs) His church told him that, you fix shoes. You don't have anything, your credentials. How can we send you? He trusted God. He came to India. He learned the language, 11 languages he learned. He translated the Bible into 11 languages. He started a church. He started a Bible school. Today it's called a university, Serampore University. And I have the privilege of getting my doctorate from that university. And he said, expect great things from God and do great things for God. Expect great things from God. Do great things for God. Because this is God's work. Number two. I say unto you, verse 35, lift up your eyes and look on. He's addressing the worker. God's worker. He's telling his disciples, look, my friends, you have to look up. Not look down, look aside, look up and see the lost world. Open your eyes for the lost world. I come from a Mennonite brethren background. My dad was a pastor for 67 years. So we are fundamentalists, very conservative. And my forefathers believed only Mennonites can win this world, period. That's what they thought. So when I went to the Bible college and started learning, that's what the indoctrination was given to me, and I didn't take it. I didn't take it. <laughs> I didn't take it. If I want to be a God's worker, God can do through me, if I see the world through God's vision and direction. So this challenge, God himself, Jesus himself, is giving to his disciples. We as a God's church and congregation here, have to see God's workers being strengthened. That's very important. That's the key. He says, look, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. And look on, the fields, but they are white already to harvest. White already to harvest. The greatest opportunity today in the world is in the continent of Africa. Continent of Africa. As I traveled across this big continent, I could see that. Except one or two countries. Most of countries are open for gospel. And we need to get the gospel to them before the Lord comes. But we also need to raise God's worker to accomplish it. To accomplish it. But God is also giving a warning to his disciples. He says, verse 35, he says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, hmm, that's human thinking. Well, let the spring come. We will start doing this. Let the winter go. We will start doing this. That's human nature. Human nature. But God says, the harvest is already ready. Go and harvest it. Go and harvest it. We are afraid of it we are afraid of time we are afraid of the task we are afraid of the territory and then we come with an excuse we don't have tools we don't have tools last Sunday after the service when i was i i spoke there in a church and um The Moody Bible Institute choir came and sang there. And after the service, we went and had a meal. In front of me was sitting a young lady, a missionary, who works in Azerbaijan in the CIS states. And she was sharing with me her ministry. What I was observing in that young lady was, she's all excited what she's doing. And she said, Dalawai, you know, there are so many opportunities in Azerbaijan. We need to go and do and finish God's work. A young lady is all excited about Azerbaijan. I said, how many Muslims are there in that country? That was my first question. She said, majority are Muslims. Then how are you ministering? Well, she told me a strategy which God has given to us she said, we teach English, we teach Bible. Both. <laughs> That's the strategy they are doing, is it? We teach English, we teach Bible. And he said, she said, I'm just looking forward to go back. Say not E, that there are yet four months. Then cometh harvest. No. The harvest is there already. Fields are ripe. We need to go and harvest. We need more harvesters. The harvest is there. We need more harvesters. Today, we are lacking harvesters. Period. We need to train. We need to equip the harvesters. In verse 36, Jesus says, He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. God's wages. God's wages. I'm looking forward for that. I'm looking forward for that. This is my 38th year of my, our ministry. 38th year. And never, never we had full support all these years. Never. Never. But we still pulled on. Pulled on. One of the reasons we were able to pull on was that uh, my wife Veronica worked as a teacher for 37 years. So she put the bread on the table, you know, one way. It's not important what we look for wages here in this world. We need to look forward for the wages and the reward and the award there. And so he says, exactly. Gather the fruit until life eternal. There you will receive your wages. You will get the paycheck in eternity. In eternity. How much is written on that paycheck? You don't know until you see it in eternity. And God is not going to give you a blank, uh, blank paycheck. No. It's written how much it is. Because our God is a God of truth. He's not vague. His words are not vain. He means business. When He gives you a paycheck, He writes there and puts His seal. What is the encashment? Eternity in the presence of the Lord. Saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That's what I was I'm looking forward, you know. I'm challenged in my life because of my father, who was a poor Mennonite pastor, received two dollars a month as his support, raised four children. I know his rewards are greater there in heaven today. That's the wages we have. But tonight let me close this. This is God's work. We need God's workers. We need to heed God's warning and look forward for God's wages. Let's pray as he had. It's heads down, bowed, and eyes closed. I'm going to ask your pastor to come and do the closing prayer. Pastor Juan.